You're listening to the Today's Conveyancer podcast, the leading source of information for residential property lawyers in England and Wales. Don't forget to subscribe and sign up to our free newsletter at todaysconveyancer.co.uk. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Hello and welcome to the latest Today's Conveyancer podcast. This week I'm delighted to be joined by Leah Steele. Leah is the founder of Searching for Serenity uh, and is a coach and trainer for law firms and legal services uh, as well as being a former lawyer herself. You're going to tell us a little bit about what Searching for Serenity is all about but today's podcast is all about burnout, uh, recognising it in ourselves and, and some practical steps to actually deal with it because you actually contributed to a piece in today's conveyancer recently, Leah, in which we talked about the issues that are facing conveyances at the moment, conveyances mm-hmm. in particular around around burnout uh, and, and overworking. Tell us, tell us initially about your own experience, your own part in creating Searching for Serenity. Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually coming up to its sixth anniversary, which I don't know how the time has gone so fast, but Searching for Serenity came about as a result of my experiences as a lawyer. Um, So I was a paralegal for six years and qualified solicitor for five or six years before I left law. Um, And this all came about because, as most of us know, law is not the easiest of industries. Um, I experienced my own issues with burnout, with stress, um, following a bereavement. And I, I got to the point, somebody asked me, what's the thing that really aggravates you what's the thing that you can't shut up about when somebody's handed you a second glass of wine which I think is a great question for anybody who's you know got something that they want to say um you know what what is the the moment the floodgates open what's the thing that everything everybody hears about and for me initially it was why it's so difficult in law uh, in particular why we work so hard for so long to do this job and then you see so many people leaving um and when I started looking into this, the issues that were coming up again and again were stress, resilience, burnout, imposter syndrome, this kind of bringing together of all of these symptoms and all these experiences that mean that it's not sustainable for people to stay in the job long term necessarily. Or if it is, why is it more sustainable for some people than others? Um, so that's where Searching Serenity came about. What it has now evolved into. Um, I would love to say that this is all in the plan, but it was very much it evolved into. Um, I started working with professionals whilst I was still a lawyer myself. So I was working at a top 50 law firm, working their uh, mental capacity court protection department. And then in evenings and weekends, I was working with teachers and medical professionals and lawyers, of course, and marketeers and students around their stress issues and what was going on. Since then, I've worked with, I don't know how many clients, I probably should know that figure, uh, but I've delivered 850 hours of one-to-one coaching. And then three years ago, I also started delivering corporate trainings. Um, so I go into law firms and other businesses and I talk about what burnout is, or I talk about how we can best manage time and to-do list management, how to deal with difficult people. And I think I've trained nearly 3,000 delegates, I've delivered about 100 trainings, and I also deliver my own group trainings and workshops and just basically trying to talk to people about these issues because when I was a lawyer and I was exhausted and I thought I was breaking I remember sitting in the toilets at work crying 
and Googling my symptoms, which nobody should have to do, and came across this term burnout. I'd never heard of it before. We all hear about burnout all the time now, but there's still this massive disconnect between what we think it is and what you see on the ground. And a lot of people don't know where to start with it. So that's that's where I come in. We'll drill into kind of burnout shortly, I'm sure. But are you seeing or or do you see the conveyancing industry on your courses? Are you seeing that people are reaching out to you around burnout and around the challenges that uh, the industry faces? This is what's really interesting. Because of my background, because I was a lawyer, I do get a lot of lawyers coming to speak to me. I also connect with a lot of lawyers on LinkedIn. And because it's it's such a strange world that we live in with law, uh, a lot of people don't get it from the outside. So I have clients who come to me and say, <clears throat> oh, you know, I've, I went to a therapist and they said, well, why don't you just, you finish at 5.30, why don't you just finish and go home? And I sat there looking at them for a while, wondering if they were joking before they don't understand the pressures that we're under, the, the responsibilities, the stakeholder engagement. Um, what's interesting is that conveyancing as a whole, I've had one or two engagements for conveyances, but they don't generally reach out. And I think this is because of a cultural subset. We've, you know, we've got different cultures across different areas of the industry. And with conveyancing in particular, so many of them have just been told, keep calm and carry on, just get through it. I don't think there is that level of reciprocity and there isn't that level of, I can ask for help and it will be received. Um, they've just been dealing with it for so long now that there's almost a helplessness. It's not going to change. And that's one of the things that really worries me, how much I'm seeing that come out in people's posts on LinkedIn, people sharing, saying, you know, just this kind of, I'm drowning and no one's going to come to save me, kind of. Um, so interestingly, conveyancing is one of the areas that I don't see a huge amount of engagement. And I think a lot of them would struggle to take the time off to attend an hour's training. Um, and that's where more innovative innovative solutions need to come in but it takes time to explain those to people i think we've all seen those outpourings of frustration on yeah. linkedin i think that's fair to say i'm going to ask you the question about what burnout is now but i'm i'm guessing that an element of those frustrations actually is caught up in burnout overworking and just not being able to understand how how they feel Absolutely. And this is exactly why it breaks my heart when I see these posts, because it is classic burnout. So I use the World Health Organization's definition of burnout. It's developed from Christina Maslach's research dating from the 70s to now. Um, but the World Health Organization's definition, the first thing to note is that burnout is not a medical diagnosis. A lot of people get this wrong. It is an occupational phenomenon. It is a reason the reason why it's in the international classification of diseases is because it's a reason why you might interact with the doctor, but it's not a diagnosis itself the way that a broken arm or depression is. The definition of burnout is it's an occupational phenomenon that arises as a result of chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And it's got three key dimensions. The first is exhaustion or depletion. The second is negativity, cynicism or increased mental distance from one's job. And the third is reduced professional efficacy. So basically what that means is if you've been under stress and it's not been effectively managed by you and other people for a long time, then you may well be feeling exhausted, depleted, unable to recover, negative, cynical, disengaged and needing to kind of put up a shield between you and work. And you're going to struggle to get your work done. The reasons for that are really obvious. We know that when we're tired, we struggle to get our work done. 
but burnout goes beyond mere tiredness. It is that state of exhaustion where you're waking up every day, just that little bit more tired, not getting refreshed, not feeling revived. Um, when I experienced it, I woke up every weekend feeling like I was coming down with flu, um, muscle aches, that headaches, exhaustion. But what goes with that? Of course, we know this. Every time you've tried to work when you've had a cold or flu or COVID, we get brain fog, we get aphasia, we struggle with our word placement. It takes longer to do the same tasks. So those two things make absolute sense. I say that the two of them kind of do this beautiful waltz around our work. So you've got exhaustion depletion and then you're going, but I've got to get on top of my work. So you really put the pedal to the metal, try and get it all done. You try and catch up and as you're riding that wave, the exhaustion depletion hits you again. So you're constantly up and down trying to recover, trying to maintain consistency. And whilst these two things are chasing each other around, in the middle there's us and we are just slowly getting pulled apart by it. Because I'm constantly trying to, what I would call maintain agentic control. I'm trying to feel in control of my work. I'm trying to affect change. And I'm prohibited from doing that because of the volume of the work, because of the exhaustion that I'm experiencing, because the systems aren't in place, whatever it might be. And when we feel like we're not in control, lawyers are not great at that at the best of times, particularly when we feel like we can't change what's going on. It's just happening to us the whole time. Of course, we're going to feel negative and cynical. And of course, we're going to need to, to put this distance between us and work and not feel so absorbed by it all. But the way that that comes out isn't just that we care less, we actually care more. We get more aggressive about it. We get more hopeless about it. It starts taking over our thoughts and feelings the whole time. And this is what I really see a lot on LinkedIn is these conveyances are trying to reach out for support. And in a classic work environment, you see this brilliant person doing a great job who suddenly starts speaking out of turn, starts being publicly dismissive about the work or aggressive about what's going on, critiquing in a way that we've never seen before. And in a work environment, the, the first response is usually, well, that person's a problem. They're not. They're not a firebrand. They're burning out and they're desperately asking for support. And that's what I'm seeing so often on LinkedIn. Um, it, it does break my heart. It really does. I sense that people just don't recognize it in themselves they just it, it, it's almost a british stiff upper lip stoicism we will keep on going yeah absolutely and people don't recognize it in themselves because when you are under so much pressure so much volume of work you know we're hearing conveyances saying i am responding to 200 emails a day and i only get to actually do the the work after 5 p.m when does anybody have the time to sit back and reflect on what they're feeling and why that might be happening? They're not. They are simply responding. And it's that fight or flight response that's going on with a lot of people. Um, but instead of fight or flight, we're fighting. We're constantly trying to push further. Um, and this is also why we're seeing so many people leave the industry, because they just don't see how they can affect change. They don't see it changing and they need to protect themselves in some way. So, yeah, when I see this happening, I desperately want to go in and just kind of grab these people and be like, come on, let's go to your manager. Let's start putting some support in place because these people are asking for care and support. They're asking for somebody to step in and change it. They're asking for validation of what's going on. They're asking for systemic change. This is what we're seeing so often. These stop raising these questions. Stop 
responding in this way. These are people asking for system systemic change in, an, in a way in which it can't be implemented correctly, fully or effectively. Because LinkedIn isn't going to change the processes of that business over there, right? It might do, but it would take a lot, lot, a lot more than what we're seeing at the moment. Um, and people don't necessarily understand this because, like I said, 2013, when I came across burnout, I didn't know what it was. I was also given a huge amount of advice and there is for as much as there is a lot more information out there and there are a lot more articles and resources. It's also a lot of bad information and bad resources. When I first came across burnout, I was told it means your body can't cope with stress and you have to eradicate all stress from your life and live as stress free a life as possible. And I was sitting in the toilets of a top 50 law firm. Like, where's, where's the stress going to eradicate there? There's a lot of bad advice and people don't necessarily know what they're looking for. Because one of the key issues with burnout, obviously, we've got this negativity, this cynicism, this disengagement. And instead of being able to look at ourselves and go, oh, hang on a minute, I've been working this hard for this long and this is natural, this is a process, we go, you, you're the problem over there. You with your inquiries, you with your systems, you with your demands, you're the problem because it's easier to fix you and remove from you than it is to look at myself. And that's, that's painful. But it rather neatly leads me on to my next question, which is... <laughs> What can we do individually to help ourselves? One, we obviously need to identify that, you know, we're burnt out in some way. We, it's easy to point the finger. Um, and we'll talk about what organisations can do as well, because that, that's obviously yeah. a really critical part of this. Mm -hmm. But what can an individual do? Because I think it's really telling that you say you're not going to remove stress from your life, whether it's work stress, home stress, whatever it is, you're not going to remove stress from your life. The other thing is most of us wouldn't want to. I had this conversation with one of my friends this morning. She said it's a really good kind of stress. And I laughed. I said, can you imagine either of us saying that 10 years ago? But most of us like stress. We have this concept that stress is harmful. It's going to kill us. It's a terrible thing. But actually, stress can be distress, distressing, terrible. It can also be eustress. It's something that gives us that push to the finish line that gets us out of bed to engage with something all those engagement positivity wanting more achieving more all of that is you stress um so if we just remove all stress we get bored really quickly <laughs> so that's the first thing burnout is a systemic issue that gives rise to symptoms in individuals that's my approach to it because burnout is systemic chronic workplace stress that's not successfully managed I can do all the things in the world and most of the people we're seeing are doing all the things that they can and it's still not enough to change it so it is systemic however that doesn't mean that the individuals within the system are helpless we are seeing a lot of people leaving because that's the only way that they can see long-term change I wonder what's going to happen a year or two from now if that continues on an individual basis. The first thing is knowing that this is going on and knowing that this is completely normal. It's not necessarily reasonable. It's certainly not something we want, but it is normal. And it is as a result of how much we care, how much we want to make a difference, how much we want to do a good job. It's those high standards. You also have to be incredibly resilient to experience burnout, which is a double edged sword in itself. Because you're incredibly resilient, you get to burn out and then you think you can be more resilient, more stoic, as it were, to get through it. And that's not what resilience is. It's about being able to recover and adapt. But individuals, it is very much not just about 
just put boundaries in place. Just don't work as hard. Don't care as much. No, we don't want that. We want you to care as much, but to care about yourself as much as you do the work and to start putting that balance in place. If the taps aren't being turned off with the work, then saying no, declining things, putting yourself first. Because ultimately, whether you're a qualified solicitor or a registered conveyancer, you have to have permission to do this work. And we want you to be able to have the facility to do that work in the future, whether or not you choose to. So what do you need to do to protect your career right here? It's then also about beyond that awareness, it's that paying attention to where things are tipping over. We all have these days where everything's fine, everything's fine, and then suddenly it falls off a cliff. Let's go back a few steps. What happened there? Was it too many emails? What was it? Can we stop? Can we deal with emails in a different way? Can we come off the phones? And I'm seeing some practices putting things in place on a systemic level, but it's about the impact on the individuals, right? So individuals saying no, stepping away, getting support, speaking to people. This is what we're seeing people trying to do on LinkedIn, reaching out, asking for support. And it's not always effective because LinkedIn is LinkedIn. Um, but getting support from friends and family members, speaking to them about what's going on, making sure that we've got everything in place to give us the best opportunity. But then also accepting that there is a limit to what we can achieve by ourselves. And this is what I can control. And this is what's going on with my firm, my industry, the wider world. It's complex and there isn't an easy solution. It's much easier to resolve on a systemic level, which I think will probably lead you on to your next question as well. But <laughs> you've done this before. Your mind. <laughs> it's almost like this is what I do for a living, isn't it? So there's limits to what we can do individually. You've described burnout as systemic. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, look, the conveyancing industry has gone through a huge amount of pain over the last yeah. two years you think about the sdlt uh, we'll call it the holiday of course it wasn't the holiday you know you so think, think about yeah, you think about everything that's happened since you think about the pandemic working from home and i, I talked about personal challenges as, as well as professional challenges what can should organizations be doing to support we've probably <clears throat> seen in fairness one of the biggest shifts in mental health and welfare and, and wellness and well-being you know in society over the course of the last couple of years but but there's more that we could be doing huge amount more and this is where this is where we get into this is where i'm probably going to rant just forewarn you because we have seen huge shifts in well-being awareness and mental health awareness but this is where we need to move beyond a tick tick box solution well-being is a thing we do one hour a month, one hour a year, we get mental health first aiders in, we do this thing and it's tick the box, it's done. It has to become part of the fabric of what we're doing. So when I'm talking about working with businesses, I'm talking about weaving burnout prevention through every aspect of the firm. That means policies and procedures, the way that we deal with things, culturally how we deal with things. Looking at resourcing capacity, what we do, having a business continuity plan that doesn't run on the best case scenario and hope, fingers crossed, that nobody gets COVID, but instead runs on the 10%, 20%, 40% reduction rates. This is where, this is the thing that I say to individuals so often, you can be the most resilient person going. But if you're sitting in a vat of hydrochloric acid, you're still going to get dissolved. And that's what we're dealing with, with businesses, right? We've got these systems. I don't want to call them toxic because that's not fair. Nobody's 
well, maybe some people are, but most people are not doing this deliberately. Nobody's sitting like, I'm making all my people suffer because good business owners want their people to be sustainable and to do good work and not leave somewhere and get another job because that all pays dividends. It's productivity and profitability. And that's a whole other conversation I could lead into. But we have to make sure that we're not sitting people in hydrochloric acid and wondering why they're falling apart. When it comes to businesses, it does have to be, for me, moving well-being from the tick box and the thing we do twice a year to what is boots on the ground sustainability and well-being like and you'll see me use this phrase sustainability a lot because well-being always seems to be like this aspirational standard of how well we can be sustainability is how we keep going day to day in a way that is functional manageable continuable and that's where i want us to start we could have firms looking at resourcing have you ever met a lawyer who, when you said, oh, you know, I've got this matter, can you take it on? But they did a little calculation to see how many hours they've got workable and what capacity they've got left and how many days they've got available before they said, yes, I can take it on. No, because lawyers go, sure, I've got capacity. Sure, I've got capacity. Yeah, I'll fit it in. I'll fit it in. I'll fit it in. And soon enough, they're working till midnight because actually there was never a resourcing discussion on the front end. Simple questions like that. Do we have enough resources to make this work? work. If 10% of the business gets knocked out with COVID next week, can we still keep the wheels turning? And not just keep the wheels turning, but work effectively. If not, why are we trying to work at this rate? It's not sustainable, right? This is the stuff that oh, I love this. I could, I love getting into businesses and pulling this stuff apart, what's going on, because the whole point is if we've got a burnout preventative culture, if we've got a burnout preventative approach to taking on work, you never need me once that's done. Hopefully you never need me because we've got capacity to fluctuate. Somebody leaves, the department doesn't fall down. We've got the opportunity for people to have support. So one of the things that I talk about a lot is offering support to these firms. And for me, it's a combination of upskilling training, making people aware, giving them a safe space to speak, God knows conveyances are crying out for that at the moment. Giving them coaching, enabling these conversations, breaking down the barriers and building up the psychological safety within teams so that they can ask for more. But then looking on the systemic level, how are we running this? How are we running this firm? Are we resourcing it adequately? Do we have the policies in place? Do we say what we mean and mean what we say? Because often, We'll hear from firms, we've got an open door policy and that's wonderful. But how many times are people walking through that open door and actually speaking as opposed to it's just a very pretty open door? So it's really about that, that engagement. And these things don't have to be huge. It can be as simple as saying, how are we all feeling? And what if we took on a little bit less work and charged a little bit more? There are brilliant consultants out there who talk through all of the, the pricing stuff. Um, but for me, it starts with resourcing for individuals because people are the asset in a law firm. Which feels like a really neat place to finish. I hope that conveyances will listen to this, Leah, and take note of the challenge that I think you're sort of laying at their door, really, that this is about. <laughs> no, I think it's fair. I, I, I do sort of feel as though it's something that conveyances have to adopt in some way. I was chatting to somebody 
the other day. And there's this discussion at the moment about the fact that the conveyancing system is, is broken. Whether you agree with that on or not, it's either not broken or it's not broken enough for something to be done about it. Yeah. It kind of works. Burnout, mental health and well-being, wellness, all of that has to be factored into how we improve it or fix it. It's been really, really interesting to chat. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you. The Today's Conveyance of Podcast is available on your preferred podcast provider. It's also available on todaysconveyancer.co.uk. Leah, thank you again for your time. <laughs> and we'll look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Today's Conveyancer podcast, the leading source of information for residential property lawyers in England and Wales. Don't forget to subscribe and sign up to our free newsletter at todaysconveyancer.co.uk. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.